What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Masters of Sport. I'm here with my co-host, Earl Kunkel. Hello. Earl, what kind of name is Kunkel? Uh, it's a PA Dutch name. What was it like growing up with the first name, Earl? All right, so in middle school, there was this one kid, kid he's an adult now. I don't associate with him. I don't like him. I'm not even going to mention his name. <laughs> he would rub me so wrong. But he was the first one. He's like, what type of name is Earl? Like, doing stuff like that to me. And I'm like, man, I do not like you at all in one bit. Um, I was never, like, it never bothered me until yeah. then. Until And even then, it didn't bother me. It was just yeah. like, you're a jerk. Like, I don't yeah. like you. Clearly. Now, I wasn't necessarily the nicest person growing up myself. Like, you know, my one buddy who I, I'd like now more as an adult who I hang out with always says he's like, hurt people hurt people. So like... <laughs> like so you're a hurt person hurt, hurting people. When I was younger sometimes, yeah, I, I think so. Like, you know, like you ever see like a dog limping around like hurt? Like, don't bite at you. Like, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. mess with me type yeah. of thing. And yeah, true. You, you, I don't know. What I do professionally too, you'll see that sometimes with people. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I could see Sorry that. to make it go all like sad sack. <laughs> No. No, it's fine. No one makes fun of me. You make fun of me, but like, it's like friendly, like you're my buddy, you're my pal. <laughs> Is it really? I hate you. Do you? So what, what are we talking about You today? say it, but you don't behave that way. <laughs> what are we talking about? What are we going to start about? So a few years ago, I read this book called Roadside Picnic. Have you ever read it? You can read. <laughs> yeah, duh. I think I've used that joke like three times before. At least, at least. <laughs> no, I haven't read it. All right, so. Okay. Roadside America. I've been no, to Roadside America. It's not that, but. They right. just sold to a tree, a tree trimming company. Okay. No longer exists. The tree trimming company or the Roadside, Roadside America. America? But this is Roadside Parkway? Picnic. Picnic? All right, so I'm not going to give any... They ended up, it's Russian authors that wrote it. Okay. They ended up turning it into a movie called Stalker. That's okay. actually really good, too. Like, you know, one of those, like, Criterion Collection type vibes. I don't even know if it's on the Criterion Collection, but, re like, really well-shot movie. So, the basic concept, I won't even tell you the story. But and, I, like, for real, like, it's, a, like, a well-known movie? I don't know well-known. Maybe if you're, like, a cinephile, you're probably about it. Like, okay. if you're into movies somewhat... You'd be about it. Same yeah. guy who did Solaris, as the original Solaris, I think, did it. I could be making that up. Someone correct me. I don't know. I'm not that yeah. good with it. Um, but it is a movie stalker. Um, okay. But the general premise of the book, I'm not, no spoilers here, but the premise is the idea that some entity, some extraterrestrial, something maybe like cosmic in nature, came through and just stopped and had a picnic. But imagine what, like, think about you as that cosmic being having the picnic and how it impacts, like, all the insects there. Except the insects this time are the humans in, in like, this hypothetical. Yeah. Oh, drop that. And, like, so it changes the environment. Yeah. And, like, kids start mutating or something. Or, like, there's just weird things that happen there. So, like, you know, they come on through and, like, they leave a piece of bread. I was just going to say, I'm thinking about like uh, a piece of fruit roll up is the, is the, the individual that is, is the cosmic individual. Yeah. And then the ants 
are coming to this fruit roll-up, and the answer actually us, and the fruit roll-up is the yeah, yeah, cosmic. no, and and that's kind of the the basic concept. Like, there's more of a story to it, but that's like the whole world of it, and it's like I think it's just something cool to ponder. Like, you know, what would happen? What would happen? Like Eldritch Hard just come on through and just like, hey, I'm gonna stop and have lunch right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worrying about you and how it impacts you in any way. I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sort of makes me think about our planet to a point. Yeah. Oh. Like right now, like things that we just want to do and just do without, without thinking about how it impacts other. Oh my goodness! Things when we could actually do the exact same thing, and not have nearly as much impact. I read something on Twitter the other day that I loved, and it made me laugh so hard too. Was it a meme? It, it, if I would have screenshotted it, yeah, but okay. no, yeah. it was like. I'm gonna go out and rake all these leaves in my yard that are biodegradable. Dude. Oh my gosh. That will that's be a, gone dude, that's the at biggest. the end of winter. And I'm gonna put them in plastic bags. I'm gonna put them in plastic bags. I'm gonna have the township take them away. And then when it turns into mulch, I'm gonna go back to the township and get the mulch and come yeah. back and put it back on my yard. It's like, what is going on? Dude, the, I've never <laughs> noticed that. Like it happens Ooh, around here. Yeah. It happens around here to a point. But, dude, where Caitlin's from in Jersey, you'll just see bags and bags yeah. of leaves. And then those same people are buying mulch bags from Lowe's or whatever. I'm like... Those HOAs. Yeah, dude. Well, do you realize... Yeah, exactly. Do you realize, like, you could have put that in a giant compost bin in your backyard. And if you let leaves sit there for years and you just keep piling in there, it turns into, like, the best type of soil that you could ever imagine. The book I'm Dude. reading right now talks about soil as like a living entity. Like yeah. dirt is literally a living, living entity. Like yes, you well, don't know for sure. how many like microbes and things are in there. Like it's just Dude, my brother always says this because he's an aerospace engineer turned farmer. And he's like, you realize there's fungus in our soil that they have found in outer space. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Fungus is literally like I love the yeah, the the like most important point behind all of life. It literally sparks everything. Isn't I'm pretty sure there's some like theory out there that like eating psilocybin is what led like some people theorize what sort of led the human brain to be what it is. Uh, it could like be. one of the things. Like, it led to Santa Claus. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know this. Absolutely. I dude. don't believe in him, so this must be a lie. I mean, Santa Claus isn't real, but it led to the whole story behind Santa Claus oh. and and the reindeer jumping like uh, in I think it's Finland or or Norway, the uh, caribou will eat. They'll dig through and they'll eat mushrooms. Okay. And then they they basically trip balls, and that's where <laughs> that's where it all comes from. Dude, dude this so is real. Cool. Yeah, I have never and heard a, that. The tree comes directly. Christmas trees come directly from that that lore, like that myth. That is really yeah. neat. I'm just imagining like all these like caribou like just tripping out and running through. <laughs> and I think it also comes back to um, there's something to do with urine with it as well. There there's something with urine intermixed yeah, in there. Just got gross. I, yeah, I remember reading, <laughs> like not thinking that this could have actually happened. Does it come into like some frat boy hazing ritual type of thing? <laughs> <laughs> you have to eat goldfish too. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I do not condone frat boy hazing rituals at all. That stuff's totally whack. Frats are so stupid. Dude, I have some some of my best friends that have been in frats. I'm like, how do I like you when you were in a frat? (laughs) Well, I don't know. We're going to get a lot of frat haters or people that are mad at me for frats. Whatever. 
They do throw some nice parties here and there, pretty good parties. I don't know. I went to like a couple, maybe like three. Doesn't surprise me. Back to the roadside picnic real quick. Yeah. So like this guy, Jeff Vandermeer, wrote this. It's like the Southern Reach trilogy. And the best one to me is Annihilation, which was turned into a movie too. All like female lead cast. Awesome. Visually like awesome movie to just see like lights. If you're into like, I don't know, things that look that way, like psychedelic. No, I'm not actually. And it's a horror movie too, so you're probably like, I don't do that. I don't watch TV. I turn the candles on and like <laughs> do like my pagan rituals. I'm still doing that, dude. Yeah. I'm still on the candles. What witch spells are you casting at night? <laughs> love spells. <laughs> That's how Caitlin and I met through through a witch love spell. <laughs> I'm sorry. No like apples or anything, like pulling an apple, like changing your <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Do you feel, because you use candles instead of electricity at night, because you're such a, a Wiccan or something, I don't know. <laughs> and anyone who practices Wiccan, that's cool. I'm just, Dade's funny. <laughs> you, you get your wax from your ears. <laughs> to put it on the candle? To, yeah. use, to use to hold the wick up? Yeah. I only do that once a week. <laughs> <laughs> I was told by the ear, nose, and throat doctor that you should not be using, uh, you shouldn't be using Q-tips in your ears. Why are you going to damage your eardrum? You can, yeah. Oh. And your ear. So your what ear happens canal. if you don't though? Like, but, like he was like, dude, it'll it'll just fall out. Oh. So your then eardrum? I eardrum? No, your your uh, the wax the wax. So then I started thinking like, so that means like everybody that works at the ear, nose, and throat doctors. The, all the people that work there probably have huge globs of earwax. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's so gross. Those videos on YouTube have like millions yeah, of views too. People watch and pull yeah, out yeah, yeah, It's crazy. Yeah. All yeah. right. So pivot a little bit here, if you will. We were talking over a writing session. Yeah. About this idea that you, I've never heard it before anywhere, but you said it um, called nearly autonomous with how. You want to get athletes to this like nearly autonomous state of training. Yeah. What, what, like, I think I get what you're saying about nearly autonomous, like, you know, adverb, here's the, you know, the verb of what they're doing. But, like, <laughs> what are you getting at there? Like, give us some details on that. I think, um, I like to use the, the same example as of, of your kid. It's like the sooner that you could throw your kid out to the world, the better they'll be. Okay. So it's like, it, you know, raising my children, uh, if I want them to swim, learn how to ride a bike, you know, play a, an instrument, play sports, communicate with other people, the sooner that I could be like, you know, Lincoln's 13, 14 years old and he could go out and survive, like, I know I, I did a good yeah. job. And I think that that's similar for me for, for athletes, is it's like the sooner I can get them to learn, uh, how their body feels and to learn how uh, uh, rep schemes and to learn even their rest periods uh, and to, to help with recovery. And they, the more that they learn that, then there's a period where they're learning and it might be a four or five year time frame, and then there might be a year or two of a transition where they, they start to like talk back to you and, and not in a bad way, but like provide some feedback. And then ideally it becomes a very uh, democratic means of discussion around their training it's like having a really good I, I think about it as, as a as an employee like for me Trevor is that guy like he's the employee 
I'm going to use Star Trek, is like uh, Jean-Luc Picard had uh, William Riker, and they were like tight. And that's where I think you can get to with nearly autonomous athletes is they really can give you good feedback to help lead them to wherever they need to be. Okay. Um, so then, like, what does this look like then in the gym when they're training? Like, what does a nearly autonomous athlete look like? Like, they're snatching, they're clean, they're squatting, they're bench pressing. Like, how does that go about? Like, what's going on? I think what I think it's it's the look doesn't appear much different, um, but but so like let's say somebody's snatching. If I trust them, uh, I might not even feel that I need to help them pick weights. Like I might sit there and say, hey, you know, you, you take control of their weights. Um, now, if I don't think that they're nearly autonomous in that regard, I'm thinking about Sam right now. Sam will want to pick the heaviest weights all the time. Um, so now with other things with Sam, he is that way. He is autonomous where it's like, hey, we'll have a good conversation. You know, Haley, I'll pick all of her weights. Uh, but with other points in her, her training, she provides good feedback. And she and, and if we could use this example of those two where like I'll let Sam pick most of his weights almost all the time. Haley almost never picks her weights. But they're both basically nearly autonomous, I would uh-huh. say. But what ends up happening though is that then when we sit down and talk about training, now it can be like a piece by piece discussion. And like a conversation that I have with Haley after senior Pan Ams this, you know, a month ago after she won is so different than it was two years ago. Gotcha. You know, same with Sam. It's like I can lay out the next three years in a full-blown discussion with him, and we can have uh, discussions where even like today he'll come over after the session and be like, this is what I felt, this is what I'm thinking. And it, and it sort of contributes and guides the path that we're going down because he, he gets it. So- so I'm hearing there's a maturity yeah. to an athlete when they are allow, when the you as a coach start seeing this like nearly autonomous type of training taking place. Right. Like, so twelve year old never gets this privilege, no. right? Never. Like no. Nah. Like you don't pay your bills. I'm telling you what to do right now. Yeah. That type I, of thing. I, I think in I don't want to use. Uh, I don't really like using systematic institutions to really hammer this point home but it's like it's like you pay to go to Harvard and you're going to Harvard and the professor tells you what the hell you're learning like there's very minimal engagement until you're like a junior or senior right right you're paying this dude who's one of the best researchers in the world so you're there to listen to him it's not like let me tell you what I think you don't know shit and I think like uh, that might be like a little bit of a bad analogy, but I think that that's that the people who contribute to their training too early tend to get this horribly false sense of security in their knowledge and then in turn don't have the progressive mindset to learn uh, when they really need to learn at the most at the most important times. And I think that that's, like if you can get someone to have that maturity that they can become nearly autonomous, they're also going to be much more open-minded and they're going to listen to more ideas and they're going to become uh, a, a more well-learned, you know, in quotes, uh, individual. I got you. So it's like that young 12-year-old, it's more about understanding that authority, authority exists 
in progressive situations, authority exists because that authority has wisdom and knowledge over a topic that that right, subject right. does not. Yeah. So authority in a good light. What is that word we should use for like? Because it's not. It's an authority figure, but it's not like that. I don't know. I, sometimes I associate authority with like it's negative not, connotations. Yeah, it's not like, like the principal who's sending you to detention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's, it, there's it's, more like a, a trust. Like there's a. I mean, I think like the guide is is a good way. Yeah. It's like guide's it's, definitely. It's almost like a shaman too type of thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, sort of. And it's just like an open. It's like a. Dude, I think of like a a Taoist or a Buddhist or a, a you know, like a, in the Bible they would call them like to a point like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees were like the wealthier religious people that were really in tune with rites and rituals. And I'm going a little off track there. Whatever. I'm trying to think about it through those specific... I said shaman. Yeah, like that's, what, that's what triggered me because <laughs> I'm thinking about somebody who is like a... They've, they've spent more time cultivating that knowledge, so that's why you... So if we say we're almost at two opposite extremes, right? Like the twelve-year-old who's just starting, like you don't get autonomy. Like that's not part of what's going on here yet. Yeah. And then we have Olympic level, world team level athletes. Yes, you have autonomy. You're nearly some autonomous. Of them. Some of them. Yeah. In regards, though, it's almost like a, a stat sheet. Yeah. Like in this way, you do. Like you said with Haley. Yeah. Because yeah. that was one of the things I thought when we were talking about this. I'm like, how's Haley autonomous in any way? Like, she's never like. You govern every right, single right. weight yeah. of what she's taken, like and in choice. And I was like, how? And I was trying to figure that out in my mind. And then, like, he gave me the answer. There's other ways she de demonstrates that autonomy, like, yeah. which was cool. What about like, what's the progression though? I guess what I was getting at from that 12 year old, like, no autonomy to being nearly autonomous. Like, what does that athlete have to do? What do they have to show you as the coach to start giving that privilege? I mean, one, they've got to show the, the, the time and the effort that is there. Like, they've put in the time and the effort. But two, it's like, so they're in the gym, or they're, in, they're, they're competing at, at, at big competitions, and they're performing well, and they're learning from that performance. That's the big thing, I think, is like, they learn from performance to performance, and they can sit there and say, you know, someone like Haley, when she competes, she always has thoughts for what happened in that meet. Negative and positive. And so I think that is a demonstration to me of willingness to be open-minded and learn. Gotcha. So I think that that's the, the one big point. I, I also think like, you know, for throwers, it's, it's like when throwers to me or anyone in a technical sport, when they start to say things like, I felt this and it was actually accurate, that's when I'm like, okay, they're starting to get it. And so then they start to see, they have these aha moments, and they still listen to everything I say, but then they'll be like, dude, did this happen? As like, yeah, yeah, this is exactly what happened. And that's the one thing with Sam. He knows his technique really well. Okay. And I think that that's, that's also just being aware. I think, you know, I, I'm thinking about Ryan McDonald, who's a really young lifter that we have right now. He will probably be an individual who achieves this very, very early on because he's so mature now and he just listens. He, he's like a sponge. He takes it all gotcha. in. Now, what happens with an athlete then? Because you're saying like they give you these the verbal feedback with stuff. What happens if an athlete's like they're just really not that verbal and they're still getting it? How do they communicate it to you? Like what's another way like you can see it? 
Like, is it something? Dude, I'm thinking about uh, Nicholas actually Singleton because okay. he doesn't talk a lot. But but I, in the past we've had training sessions where he's come in and been like, I have to go run like 40s here or hundreds here like in a day or two. Can we not? Can you not like totally ruin me today? Or can we like do more of this or? Because he can see, and I'll, I call it like a pre-snap read. He knows like this is more important in two days than what he's doing right now. But what's important, what he's doing right now is very important. Yeah. But he wants to see if we could get something else out of that day instead of me making him ex- extremely sore. Uh, knowing that, and he, he knows that he doesn't have to be sore to get a good adaptation to training. And I know that might not be the exact situation or scenario that you're looking for there. But I, I think, I'm, you know, using uh, Jan's another one where he, and I know I'm using examples for people that don't know these Yeah, athletes, that's all right. But, but Jan's another athlete where... You can give quick intros on Yeah, so Jan are. played for the Titans and, and got cut uh, after he had made the team. But he he's another one that'll be like he can feel things in training and might not verbalize it like directly, but might say like, oh, this might help with this or this might help with that. So I, I don't know if that's... Okay. Well, you know... I think it, body language is also just Yeah, important. yeah, that's what I was thinking too, just yeah. like how they carry themselves. Yeah, I think that's really like, important. Like, do you even see like things in like the way they're moving, like when they're doing the movements and you're like, eh. Yeah, and well, but... Where, where I'm guessing more so like you have to initiate. Yeah, if I'm like, yo, how are you feeling? Yeah, like I'll say that because I want them to tell me they're not feeling that. Because it also makes me think about like your athlete typing. Well, it goes like, back to if I if I notice how they're walking or how they're how they receive the bar or something or, or and then they drop it and they're not like puffing their chest. Yeah, I'm gonna say like, how are you feeling today? Like how how'd you sleep? And if they want to if they try to hide it to me, then they're a type three, or they're a type two. Yeah. Um, whereas. Someone like Ryan might be like, or Jan too. Jan's like this. He's like, dude, I'm really sore. I'm tired. I, I didn't sleep that well. So then it's like an indirect means for them showing me their autonomy. Whereas the person who might try and hide it wants to put off like they're, they're tough guy. Like they, yeah, they don't yeah. get sore, even though they're clearly not <laughs> right, really right, well, right. You know? <laughs> so it's like, I think body language and reading the body language, but then using that to guide them to the answer that you know you should be getting. Yeah, I think then that's the important part of the nearly autonomous. Like, it's almost like if you really want to succeed, with, then like you need a coach. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're never going to be completely autonomous. I think. Like, I think the worst thing that I see with what that with what, what you just said is that it was when you see athletes start to coach while they're competing. Or athletes that don't have a coach, you know that both situations they're gonna fail. It's like me trying to run, dude. You know how many people I talk to on a regular basis about my business, and running, and even running with EFM. Like seriously, like we're doing a good job running these businesses, and I will talk to five or six people all of the time. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? People who are way better than me at running the business. Right, right. So if you think that now. I say this, and Ryan Krauser just started to offer like online coaching. Someone like Ryan Krauser is a total different situation because I don't think that he's going to struggle with coaching people. He just has a he has a coaching mind. But ninety nine point nine percent of athletes need a coach, and they they could not coach them. They can't coach 
if they start to coach other people, then they start to think, a lot of them will think like, oh, well, I can coach other people. I can just coach myself. And yeah. then it's like this air of arrogance that is false. It's not real. The player coach. I'm yeah. Like you're not, dude, you're coach. not like Cal Ripken Sr. or Ken Griffey Sr. Like, you're not on those levels. Like, you're not as good as those guys. All right. So you get someone, they get to that nearly autonomous state. You see it. But then, they, like, is there ever a time where you're like, you got to coach and you're like, I got to yank that away from Yes, you. dude, Sam. Like, Sam. I got I to become prescriptive. Like, I got to treat you like the 12-year-old for a little bit. Yeah, that's Sam. And not necessarily in a negative way. All right, well, why is that? Like, why do you have to make that decision, like, to do that? Because, some, I mean, for Sam or for other people? <laughs> Just in general. Like, why does a coach have to take away that bit of autonomy they're giving them? Like, because we're all egotistical creatures. Like, we always think that we, we get ahead of ourselves. We, as humans, think we have everything figured out. Right. And we think that when things start to go well, that leash gets a little bit longer and longer and longer. And there's never that check. Like, no, 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 yo, you got to come back to reality. Like, remember, yeah. you're going a little too far ahead of yourself. Like, it's a process. It takes a long time. Like, I, I don't, and, I, and that's something that I, it took me a long time to learn as a, as a human being myself. So if you can get others to learn that by the time they're 27 or 28, that's ideal. Man, that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah, it'd be phenomenal. It took me till I was 36. I don't even know, I know if I, I yeah, I don't even know if I have it figured out. I still got a lot of questions. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, that's, that's what I, what else I think is that like, as you get older, you start to realize like, I mean, I think we've even talked about this is that, the older you get, the more you realize that like friends and family when you were younger that you held a really high regard, they were just children that were like slightly more mature than other yeah. people. Like it's it's all about maturing. If if you can just mature and hold yourself accountable and and, and this is a conversation I had with Jake the other day. This individual, it was like he's, you know, 10 years older than me and he's still struggling with very simple simple things yeah. and, and, and like you see people that have like dude i have no problem with people who have tattoos yeah. if you have tattoos i don't care if your whole body's i don't care my wife has tattoos you better not have problems with people well my sister's got like nine of them see and it's like but but here's my thing if you've got a lot of tattoos you drive like a huge truck that's lifted and like you're rolling coal in the truck with a big huge muffler <laughs> and you own a motorcycle and you have a really big dog and you wear like camo hat i feel like you're describing like a some type of starter pack meme. <laughs> it's like dude you never dealt with your stuff like you yeah. you never and it's like they're constantly in some type of conflict in their life all right and they, they go to the range and shoot guns and it's like dude if you want to have guns i don't care but you don't need to tell me all this stuff to impress me like I don't care if you have guns because I still think you're a bitch. It's like, dude, I have guns too, but yeah, yeah. but I don't need to like flaunt it. And, and I think that that's where, with athletes, to turn this to go back to this, yeah. with athletes and and with the, even coaches, I have my own coaches that that I talk to on a regular basis right. that that help me as a as a coach, and so athletes need that because they need to like we all need that to be successful. Yeah, it helps. Yeah. It helps a lot. It's a life coach versus a real coach, essentially. I real quick want to return. You made the comment about uh, when you're growing up like these people like they seem so mature and they're just like a little bit and they're still growing up too. 
I always think about when you watch uh, your parents, grandparent, your kids, yeah. how patient they are, how yeah. like how just it's like, oh, that's what a lifetime of parenting does for you. Yeah, you get exactly. that much yeah. better at yeah. it. Yeah, you like, realize, like, oh, wow, I don't need to get so upset about the Yeah, yeah, stuff. like, that's the... And it, you can see it as an adult. Yeah. Because, like, when you're growing up, like, your parents are learning how to parent. Yeah, and your grandparents <laughs> are the best. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to go to grandma yeah. granddad. Because they know how to, like, <laughs> yeah. do yeah. it. Yeah, it's exactly. just, like, it's impressive to and watch. I actually think if you have good grandparents, or you're, you see it, as a parent, you should take notes. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that's where you should take notes substantially as far as how you should be parenting. Like, okay, now I see what they're doing. I've got to be more calm. I've got to be more patient. I've got to be more forgiving. And and I want to say, you as a kid saw your parents not necessarily as patient as they're demonstrated, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's just like, oh, it's I can grow too and learn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh. Autonomy. Here you go, kid. Go run around in the yard. Stay yeah. away from the street. Stay away from the street. <laughs> yeah. Go a little farther away. And that night, I won't kill you if you sneak into your neighbor's back of their house. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about this, though? What about this situation? Like, you have this athlete, 12, 16, 17, and for some reason, they can just never mature into the nearly autonomous. Like, then they can't. Then they can't mature, and they it, there's got to be some way that I haven't figured out yet how to get those people to realize that they're not mature and to realize that they should not be making decisions and to realize that. Can they still be an elite athlete? Yes, they can. All right, that one's. But they need their handheld with every. Step of the way. Here's your lollipop. Yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna happen with some athletes. But the worst is when you have an athlete like that that doesn't realize that they're like that. Dude, uh, there's some elite athletes that are like, dude, I don't care. You tell me exactly what I have to do every single step of the way, and I'll do it. Yeah. And that's great. And they don't they don't have any interest going outside of that world. But it's the ones that don't realize it that those are the problems. Yeah. So, all right. Sounds like that can be a little like anxiety type of thing. Like there can be butting yeah. of heads. Oh, at for sure, absolutely. Disagreements. Yeah, it can be frustrating. Oh, man, nearly autonomous. I think I'm slowly getting there myself. To what? The nearly autonomy yeah. as a coach. I feel yes. like this is a whole different concept now. Explain this to me. I'm intrigued. No, I'm. I was just saying, like jokingly, like oh. my parents are finally letting me out of the house. Oh, I got you. <laughs> I, man, I'm so slow. Tortoise movements. <laughs> I gotta pick up speed. What are our, what are our comments for oh, today? The, the Reddit people. Oh, Jack Chun. He's back. He's back. <laughs> oh. oh, I like this one. I think you're gonna like this one too. Okay. This is right up your alley. Uh, any tips on how to get traps and delts? Like I'm gonna mispronounce this. Lee Dian. Lee Dian. He's the, uh, isn't he the one on, he's, he's, a Lou, he's like basically, because he can't beat Lou, right? No, he's, no, oh. no, he's, a, he can't beat uh, Xi Jinping. Oh, wow. That must really suck to be like the second best in the world and you can't even You can't compete. do, yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, or to answer that, delts and traps, dude, I think heavy upright rows, as long as they don't hurt, don't hurt your shoulder, uh, snatch high pulls, lots of snatch high pulls. Uh, trap bar raises, and then just delt, delt, 
delt raises like this with holding dumbbells here when you raise them like this and you'll you'll get huge traps and you'll get huge delts can i share a silly anecdote absolutely so remember when i like stopped snatching and clean and jerking like every day yeah the first comment you made to me was oh you look small your traps got smaller and someone who um like works out but doesn't really know what they're doing that like i i just know and see he's like why is your upper body getting smaller i was like and like I knew exactly I thought, why. Like I think it was snatching, just like snatching I, blows up your traps. It was like I just stopped snatching every day. Like yeah. I started, I, my mindset switched with how I wanted to like do fitness type of thing. Right. It, right. I was like, all right. Anyway, that's just me feeling sad. I like <laughs> this name, membership underscore parking. <laughs> Coach Dane. Oh gosh, Coach. Yeah, I like that one, Coach Dane. I'm a football player. What can uh, on-the-minute training benefit for me? I play linebacker. That's really beneficial because a lot of the game is going to be played on, you know, what, 30, 35-second clocks. So it's like it essentially is every 60 seconds that you're going to have to turn it on. And I think that if you can be in really good shape and hit decent numbers in a 15-minute uh, on-the-minute clean, especially off of one box or two boxes, you're going to be in really good playing shape going into the season. So I think just based off of uh, the amount of power output, force absorption, and, and speed that you need at, at that fast pace, uh, it's going to help you tremendously you know, for the actual football games. I have a silly question with that on-the-minute stuff. It's from when the bar drops. No, 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 I don't worry about that. That stuff's easy. Yeah. I'm thinking that moment after the play get him back yeah like that not quite like you're not at the same intensity but you're not quite at like standstill recovery yet yeah it's like getting back as quickly as you can so you can recover yeah it's like wrestlers that like run back to the middle yeah well or just like that moment of like hey i have to do some a little bit of work my intensity is gonna dive down after right. the play but i still have to like move like is there a way to put that into the on the minute stuff and if there was, like, how would you do it? I would it? say just putting weights on the bar. Okay. Yeah, I think putting the weights on the bar would mimic that. Like getting up off the ground, jogging yeah. back. I think putting the weights on the bar. What happens if, like, I'm working static, though? I'm like, I'm just like, oh, staying here the whole time. Pretend you're putting weights on the bar. Man, you, you could just have them go up, pick up the right side, pick up the left side. <laughs> and then go back. And then exactly. go back, yeah. Or just pick plates up off the yeah. corner and put them back down. No, I think, that sounds like I you got a plan now. Yeah. You're just gonna put a plate on the corner. Go move it over there. Yeah, and then you move it each time. Yeah. I think that's actually good. Oh, all right. It's like residual activity. Man, I love thinking creative. Ooh, this is Rooster Gambit. That's a good one. Yeah. Capital R and capital G. One word though, no <laughs> underscore. What is your opinion on ice bass for combat sports athletes who also lift duration, timing, and frequency? Uh, basically, from my understanding, and this is on really new research that just came out within like the last month, that they're seeing that in a week, uh, sauna, four to five days a week, 20 minutes, 160 Fahrenheit to 170 Fahrenheit, and you should be, you'll elicit some recovery gains and uh, metabolic gains. And with the ice bath, uh, two to four times a week, but two is actually, from what I've read, and Andrew Huberman, Huberman talks a lot about this, uh, and from that specific study where it's essentially, uh, the, it doesn't even need to be as cold as we had originally thought. It, may, it basically needs to be like just to the point of 
it's uncomfortable, but it's tolerable. Uh, so probably, you know, 50 degrees for most people. Uh, 45 is when it starts to get really uncomfortable. Anything below that is when people are like really struggling because it's a true ice bath. Uh, so I would say yeah, with an ice bath for, for an MMA guy, for a combat athlete, I think, I think doing that twice a week would be plenty. If you want to add in more, that's fine. If you're doing some breathing, that's great. Um, doesn't have to be too terribly long while you're in the ice bath, but it's, it comes back to like how your perception of the, the discomfort is, and that will improve over time in doing the ice bath too. So it doesn't actually matter how cold it is legitimately, it's just it's, how you feel. Yeah, it's like, literally like, it can't, now it can't be like 70 degrees, but. I was going to say, my wife in there would be like, this is only 76 degrees. I'm right, freezing. I'm right. Really, yeah, so it's like, right. it, it's got to be, my understanding is like, as the, the line between very uncomfortable and, and intolerable. It's got to be tolerable for the individual. Sounds like fun. Because the other thing is, I think when it, when it is actually intolerable, it leads to like a, a, a too much of a negative reaction. Yeah, like stress. Like, yeah, it's, like it's, yeah, exactly. You start getting anxious about it's, it. Dude, it's, it's like, it's like it's, in the past when I've flown on an airplane, I guarantee you, I, I will fly on an airplane and my Fitbit will show me that my heart rate's at like 85 to 90 if I'm flying on an airplane. Like, it probably used to get up to 130. And that, oh, wow. Yeah, that's not, that's bad stress. Gains. <laughs> yeah, on the flight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get that. Uh, my resting heart rate. I'm flying. <laughs> how, how low can I go? <laughs> yeah. I, I think, though, it, it goes uh, back to with that question new from New telemetric Rooster. device test for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From Rooster Gambit, I, I do believe, uh, and Huberman has so much good information on this, is, is it's four times uh, sauna, two to three times with the ice bath, and you're going to be fine. And, and I do recommend doing it. When do you, do you do those ice baths like back to back days, or you try to go like every three in a week? I would say every three, but try to try to do it where it it's. I actually think it's more beneficial to do it like twenty four hours outside of a training window. Oh, so like timing wise? Yeah, timing wise, sure. it would be you you have the inflammatory response from your training. Your body is is executing that properly, and then twenty four hours later, you you bring in the ice bath. So if I train on Wednesday, so you would do could it. I do it like Thursday right before I train, or would that be a bad? You could. I, I would. I would wait a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, was... if, I would wait till probably Friday evening. All right. Yeah. Cool. Be a real wet and wild Friday then. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, stay yeah. tuned to another episode of the Masters of Sport. Until next time, peace. Bye bye.